Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Monday, January 13th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. I am the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, and we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's one of those weird days where the Hawks played on a Saturday, so it's not really a post-game show, but there's not a whole lot else going on between now and when they play on Tuesday. But there is some Hawks news to get to. There is some bigger picture stuff to discuss. Before we get into all of it, want to tell you how to get in touch. Remember, tomorrow's show is Talk Back Tuesday. So make sure you get those questions in today by probably 4 or 5 p.m. I usually record in the late afternoon, early evening. So if you want to guarantee your question gets in, make sure you get it to me by, we'll call it supper time, as my grandparents call it, uh, on um, tonight, Monday night, so I can get them in there for Talk Back Tuesday. Voicemail number is 708-653-0572. The email is lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. You can send a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account's out there as well at jayzawaski670 and the Madhouse Podcast account at Madhouse Pod. A new Madhouse Podcast dropped on Sunday evening, late Sunday evening. So if you're just waking up on Monday and you're checking out Locked On, as soon as this one's over, load up the Madhouse Podcast and give that a listen. Different content, uh, longer form, kind of a format. So I think you'll enjoy it if you've not checked it out yet. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts that you love, including my podcasts, this one and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So the Hawks beat the Anaheim Ducks 4-2 Saturday night, and I watched this game on Sunday, and my for the first time I had an error with YouTube TV. They did not record the first period and a half of the Hawks game, so I had to go back and find it and find all the highlights and watch the condensed game uh, up to the point where I had the game, but this is the sort of thing that the Hawks should be doing against lesser opponents. They did it against Detroit, even though it took a little bit more time than maybe it felt like it should have. But it's a quality win against a team they should beat. There's no doubt the Blackhawks should have beaten the Anaheim Ducks there at the bottom of the Western Conference. The Hawks are a better team than the Anaheim Ducks, and it showed on Saturday night. There's no doubt about it. And the big story, well, I think there's two big stories from the win. Number one is the healthy return of Robin Leonard, and he was uh, terrific, especially in the third period where the Ducks were really bringing the heat. They were down a couple goals and had to try to get back in the game, and you knew they were going to bring everything they had offensively. But a couple A-plus save saves made by Robin Leonard in the third period. He made a lot of great saves throughout the game as well, but really stood out there in the third period, keeping the Hawks uh, with that two-goal cushion, which was huge. Uh, it's good to see Leonard back, and he said after the game that he wasn't feeling totally great in the first period. Then the second period, the Hawks did a good do- job of sort of limiting the opportunities the Ducks had, but then he said he knew in the third he was going to have to not stand on his head, but he had to be ready for the Ducks to sort of bring what they had, and uh, he was right, and he was there, and he was ready to go as he's been pretty much all season. So an impressive performance from Robin Leonard. The other huge part of the game and it's been a huge part of the Blackhawks lately is the sudden surge from Dominic Kubalik. Started the season well. I thought he played well in the preseason, and you saw every few games he get a goal or two, and you saw, okay, this guy's a nice option, a nice depth scorer. Now he has 16 goals, tied for the league lead for rookie goal scorers with um, Olofsson, Victor Olofsson from the Buffalo Sabres. He is hurt, by the way, Olofsson, so that's why his numbers have just stopped. 
Um, but Kubalik has proven that he's a guy that can put the puck in the back of the net at the NHL level. 13 points in his last 11 games. And now that he's found a spot on the top line with Jonathan Taves and occasionally Patrick Kane, uh, John Quenville at some point. John Quenville, by the way, was sent down after Saturday's win. No corresponding move announced, but there might not be one because Drake Kajula's back and healthy, and there was no move made there. Uh, it doesn't seem like Andrew Shaw is close to returning, but you never know. These things can, can kind of happen quickly. Dylan Strom also has been sort of a day-to-day kind of a thing. He went to skate on Friday, tried it out for a minute, didn't feel great. Um, but he could be close to returning as well. So I wouldn't expect a corresponding roster move just yet. Uh, if they find that Strom needs a little more time than they thought, maybe they'll do something. But anyway, John Quenville sent back down to Rockford, uh, zero points in his time with the Hawks. I thought he played okay, but you want to see some uh, point production, especially playing on the top line. But Kublik, I think he's been really impressive. I, I really like his game, and I like that he's um, sort of taken it to the next step. The fear was, is he going to stall out? He hasn't. He's actually been their most, aside from, you know, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, he's been their most dependable forward lately, and that's a really good thing. And what I liked about Kubelik's game on Saturday was the fact that both of his goals were scored by going to the net, getting in front of the net, and getting rebound goals. That's how most goals are scored in the NHL. And, yeah, we all love the uh, awesome point shots, and we all love the one-timers and all those things. But if you're going to be a guy that stacks up goals and you're not Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or Patrick Kane, you're going to have to score those sort of goals. That's probably going to be, what, 70% of the goals you score are going to come right in front there. So it's good to see him finding that part of the ice. I think that was something that he was not struggling with, but maybe adapting to early in the season now he's learning if I go to the net good things are going to happen he's got a quick shot you can see he's got a knack for sort of finding the puck at his feet in front of the goal he can locate and score quickly Uh, I really like his skill set and I think that him on the bottom six doesn't really make a lot of sense sure you can put him there and he'll be okay and he's not going to hurt you it's not like he's a disaster defensively or anything but look he's got a top six forward type skill set he's proven it And when he's put with quality players, he produces results. So maybe now for the first time since Patrick Sharp, the Hawks have solved that top line left wing thing. Alex DeBrinkett's probably capable of it, but he's always been second line, third line, just to sort of spread out the depth. I like Kubelik there, and I don't think he's quite the player DeBrinkett is, but you give Taves a guy like that on his wing, and then you fill in with whatever right wing you want to do. Saturday, Patrick Kane started playing with them a lot towards the end of the game, last two periods especially, uh, and that that was obviously one of their better lines. But I'm really encouraged by what Dominic Kubelik has brought to the lineup, especially lately, and I think he's sort of proven the fact that he's the real deal. He's an NHL player. Now the question becomes, at the end of this season, when his contract's up, he's a restricted free agent. How much money is it going to take for the Hawks to get him re-signed? This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. There are 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams every day in February and March. 
for spring training is 75 degrees and sunny. It could not be better. All 10 of those stadiums, by the way, are within 50 miles of each other. Very easy to get to. You can meet players before and after the games, get some autographs for the kids. Not only that, it's not just about the baseball. When the games end, great restaurants and bar, craft breweries, Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company. I've had Goldwater before. It's tremendous. Live music all the time. There's the uh, there's a music festival coming at the end of February. You're going to want to check that out. Explore museums featuring everything from Native American heritage to modern art. I mentioned the landscapes. There's nowhere more beautiful and more unique than Arizona. When I landed there for the first time, I saw colors I'd never seen before in nature, and I immediately fell in love with the area. It's a trip I look forward to every year. Bring the kids, bring the family. There's so much to do. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Visit arizona.com slash spring training. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, reminding you that tomorrow, Tuesday, is Talk Back Tuesday. Get those questions in, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. And if you want to send a voice memo, that usually sounds the best. Open up your phone app, whether you have an iPhone or a Samsung, whatever. Open that voice memos app, record it, and just email it to LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com. It sounds great. It sounds like you're sitting right next to me, and uh, it really sounds terrific on Talkback Tuesday. So however you want to get in touch, though, is is fine, but we love getting your voice on the podcast. So that voicemail, 708-653-0572, really sounds great, and I encourage everyone to send a voicemail, and I get I get most of them on. Unless they're too repetitive, I'll usually choose kind of the best and most concise one but I think that's only come up once in the entire time we've done this podcast. So get those questions in, and I will do my best to get all of them answered on Talk Back Tuesday. I want to talk a little bit more about Dominic Kubelik uh, and his play lately and what his next contract could potentially look like. Again, 13 points in his last 11 games, two goals in the game Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks. He's been red hot for the Blackhawks lately, and I was trying to find some comparable salaries from guys who were restricted free agents who had some success in their first contract and then signed new deals and if we're tying it to the Blackhawks I looked at Artemi Panarin now this look this is not the same thing Panarin put up 70 points in each 70 plus points in both years with the Hawks but he went from his entry deal was two years uh eight eight hundred twelve thousand five hundred each year was the cap hit then he signed a two-year deal that paid him $12 million, so $6 million each year. That's not what Dominic Kubelik is going to get. Matt Lucas from Second City Hockey, check out that blog if you're into the Blackhawks, as you should, I'm sure you probably already know about them if you know about this podcast. He cited Andreas Johnson from Toronto, scored 23 goals and 43 points for the Leafs last season. He signed a four-year $13.6 million deal this summer. That's a $3.4 million cap hit. Now, Kubelik is on pace for 48 points, and I think that pace is probably going to go down. It's hard to imagine he's going to sustain the level of play he's had lately. So pair that down to maybe, you know, 43, 44 points, and that's maybe about the range that Kubelik might be looking at. And $3.4 million is, for the Blackhawks, a lot of money. Remember, they've got to find a way to sign Dylan Strom. 
they don't have a starting goalie next season. Robin Leonard said on on Friday that he's not going to take a pay cut to stay with the Blackhawks. He said he's been taking discounts his entire career, and he wants to get paid and deserves to get paid, and he's absolutely right. He should not take a discount to play for the Blackhawks. He should get what he's paid. And he said he's not looking to break the bank or get overpaid, but he wants to be paid what he's worth, and I think that's fair. So you're looking at Robin Leonard making probably six, six and a half million dollars, maybe up to seven if the entire season goes the way the first half of this year is gone. That's they're gonna want to get that done, right? What do you do with Corey Crawford? You just let him walk. Probably. If you're gonna sign Robin Leonard for all that money, then you'll have Colin Delia as the backup or Kevin Lankinen as the backup. Delia's got a million dollar cap hit when he's up in Chicago. So finding, you know, three, three and a half million dollars for Dominic Kublik could be challenging. So what do they do? How do they find a way to create that space? Scott Powers for The Athletic wrote a piece predicting some outcomes for the by the end of the season, and he said that he thinks the Hawks could buy out Oli Mata or Zach Smith to free up some cap space. He also believes Brent Seabrook is going to play at some point next season. So these are the questions that need to be answered, and the Hawks know better than anybody what is the truth with Brent Seabrook, Right. Because that's going to make a huge, huge difference. If Brent Seabrook plays for the Blackhawks at any point, that cap hit is $6.875 million. And a lot of people are assuming that he's just not going to play anymore. He's just going to sort of fade into obscurity until that contract expires. Or maybe the Hawks do what they did with Marion Hosa and trade that contract to a team you know, with some uh, cap space and they give up an asset to rid themselves of that deal completely and Seabrook never plays again. But Scott Powers of The Athletic seems to think Seabrook's going to be back next year in some way, shape, or form. If that's the case, that's another almost $7 million on the books for the Hawks are going to have to work around. So they've got a lot of things to figure out. A lot of things to figure out. And it's not going to be easy without Brent Seabrook playing. With him, it's going to be really tough. And maybe, just maybe, and I hate to say this and I hope it's not true, but maybe the negotiating rights to Dominic Kubelik are what the Hawks have to sacrifice to move out Brent Seabrook and clear that cap space. If someone's going to take on $7 million, they'd probably like the opportunity to, to sign a guy who could potentially score 30 goals and sign him for a controlled contract. He's a restricted free agent, so he's not going to break the bank. So I'm sure a team would like a 30-goal scorer for, for three three and a half million dollars where the Blackhawks might not be able to afford that. Remember, next season, Alex DeBrinkett's new deal kicks in as well at $6.4 million cap hit. So they've got a lot to figure out here. And... It's going to cost them something if they want to get rid of that Brent Seabrook deal. Look, if Seabrook never plays again, he can just sit there. That money sits there, and it's fine. But if he plays, that's almost $7 million on your cap that you weren't expecting and have to plan for. And when you look at some of the depth players in the system, there's not that obvious, this guy is next. He can come up and play for cheap. The only real option as far as that goes is defenseman Ian Mitchell, 
who would have to sign after his college season's over. And if they get to the Frozen Four, he will have missed a regular season and missed his chance to play the game. If they lose out in the first round of the tournament for college hockey, he plays at Denver, one of the better teams in the nation. But if they get knocked out early, he could probably come and play you know, two, three, four games for the Hawks and sign this year. But aside from him, there's no real obvious next call-up. You know, Anton Vadin is a free agent after this year, unrestricted. He's been up a little bit, but hasn't shown a ton. Alexander Fortan has been up here a little bit. And yeah, he's got all the tools, but just can't seem to put it all together. You know, John Quenville was just here and didn't produce much. So it's going to be interesting. They have a lot of work to do with the salary cap. And uh, it's I, I don't envy Stan Bowman or whoever the next GM is because they've got a lot of work to do and not a lot of money to work with. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. One more reminder. Okay, I'll probably give you one more at the end of the show. So two more reminders about Talk Back Tuesday. Tomorrow, get those questions in today. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. The Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks. Hit me up on any of those three methods and I will get your question in on Talk Back Tuesday. I always look forward to Talk Back Tuesday. Get some questions answered uh, that I haven't maybe thought of or gotten to and enough, uh, you know, given enough coverage to. And, and if it's important to you guys, it's important to me. So get those questions in. Speaking of that, if you listen to Friday's Lockdown Blackhawks, the day after the 5-2 loss to the Nashville Predators, I was a little bit critical of Kirby Doc. And man, did I meet a pushback on that. There were a lot of people coming after me for suggesting that Kirby Doc could be a little a little bit better, a little more aggressive, a little bit more of a generator of offense. And uh, I maybe I didn't vocalize it enough. Maybe people were just sort of reacting to tweets instead of the actual podcast. But my point is that Doc should be a guy that drives offense at this point. And look, I know he's a rookie. I know he's 18 years old. I'm not saying he needs to be Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taze, but I still see that deferring in his game a little bit where he's letting other people do things and he's just sort of been a passenger. When he's aggressive and when he attacks, you see why he was chosen number three overall. So I tweeted out on Friday. I'm taking some heat today for being tough on Doc. I just want him to be more engaged offensively. He's been really good, especially considering he's 18. Take advantage of the opportunity. Shoot more. Don't fly by the play. That's all I'm saying. Someone responded, it's sad we now live in a society where young players have to succeed the minute they reach the pros. Making mistakes are not only common, but it's how they grow and develop the game. And I I, I responded, like, I've done 71 at that point. This is episode 72. So Friday's episode was episode 71 of Lockdown Blackhawks. I've also done dozens of Madhouse podcasts this season. And I think aside from a dissection of a play here or there, I've been overwhelmingly positive about Kirby Doc. And I still feel positive about Kirby Doc, as I should. He's been playing very well. The production's not there, but it will come. And I think that was sort of my whole point is... 
for the production to come for Kirby Doc. He's got to be a guy who is aggressive, confident, and engaged offensively. They can't have a guy who is drifting and floating and sort of watching the plays and hoping it comes to him. Look at the way Dominic Kublik scored on Saturday. We just talked about this. He got to the front of the net and made the most of the opportunity. And Doc has been there. I'm not saying he doesn't go to the front of the net. But, man, he's when he gets moving, when he gets skating, he's hard to stop. That's what I want to see. I want to see him use that ability that he has and start elevating his game offensively. I also quoted Bobby Hull. Uh, I, when I was writing my Blackhawks book, I found this quote, and it immediately made me think of Kirby Doc. Bobby Hull said, I could skate up to 30 miles per hour, but I know that being able to stop and start on skates is important. If you glide around in a circular pattern, you'll wind up behind the action. That is what I've seen from Kirby Doc too often. And look, someone tweeted me, and it's true, Kirby Doc is basically a giraffe on skates. Tall, skinny, his body is not filled out yet. So he needs to develop the, the leg strength and the body strength to be able to skate like that. And no one's expecting him to skate like Bobby Hull. But I've said it once, I've said it probably six or seven times on this podcast. The number one focus of Kirby Doc's offseason needs to be the development of his burst skating. Stopping and going, stopping on a dime, going from zero to 60, as they say in the uh, automobile world. Once he hones that part of his game, he's going to be unstoppable. He's going to be one of the premier power forwards in the NHL. That's the one thing I think is missing because Bobby Hull's right. And I don't like to quote Bobby Hull very often because he's had some quotes that you probably shouldn't reference. But how often do we see Doc come into a play and the puck maybe gets away from him or ends up in a corner, whatever, and you've got to see Doc sort of recircle and get himself back in the play as opposed to just stopping and getting back in right away. It's going to come. I have no doubt it's going to come, but that to me is the number one flaw in his game right now is that stop and start skating ability. And once Kirby Doc adds that to his arsenal, he's going to be an insanely good hockey player. I'm already convinced he's going to be a multi-time all-star just based on the tools we've seen. He's got a good personality. He's a smart hockey player, you know, wise beyond his years. And I think a lot of us in town are used to the immediate impact of a rookie because we've seen Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Artemi Panarin and Brandon Saad step in and immediately make an impact. That's not normal. Most prospects take some time to develop. You look at, you know, Capo Caco and Jack Hughes, they've had good seasons, but they haven't blown the doors off of anyone this year, right? Those were the number two and number one picks overall. Caco at number two to the Rangers. He's got seven goals and nine assists. Okay? That, I mean, that's a good young player who's going to be a star. But he's not lighting the world on fire. Jack Hughes, who was the no doubt number one pick, no questions asked. Another 18-year-old. Six goals, 10 assists, 16 points in 36 games. 
All right? So for players to jump in right away and make an impact offensively right away, it's not normal. Kirby Doc in 40 games, 6 goals, 5 assists, 11 points. So he's right there. He's right there with those guys who are all both assumed to be worlds better than Kirby Doc. And maybe when all their careers play out, those two guys will surpass Kirby Doc in a significant way. But right now, when you watch those three guys play, you're seeing them all sort of struggle in the same style. The consistency is the issue. You have those bursts. You have those looks of, oh, my God, look at that. What is that going to be in two or three years, right? For all three of those guys. Doc's the same way. He's, I'm convinced as soon as he gets that skating, and that to me is going to be the offseason focus for him, strength and skating. Once he gets those two things, he is going to be an absolute beast. All right, thanks for listening to this edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. One final reminder, Tuesday show, tomorrow's show, Talk Back Tuesday. Get those questions in, 708-653-0572 is the voicemail. Leave a voice memo or an email to LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Send me a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks. And if you've not already, make sure you check out last night's Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. Lots of good stuff on there with me and my partner, James Naveau. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff to both my Hawks podcasts. And we will talk to you Tuesday for Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.